everyone, Bob WP here, episode 129 of Do the Woo. I'm perking up after my long one week um, laying in bed, and I, I feel like I'm getting my brain clear. I'm excited, and I have Noelle back. Noelle as one of my favorite co-hosts. She's probably, no, I'm not even going to say num- what number, but she's one of my um, five <laughs> favorite co-hosts. That's it. That's what I'll say for in case the others are listening. Wait, wait a minute. Somebody is. That's weird. <laughs> anyway, Noelle, how are you doing? Hey, Bob. So good to be here. I'm well, and I'm so happy to hear you're feeling better. Yeah, thank you. And And you've been keeping busy. It's like, you know, every time we get back on, you're just... Keeping busy. Everybody's demanding Noel's time. I know. I'm working on being less busy. <laughs> but busy is That's good. That's always fun. Well, our guest is no stranger to you if you listen to this show. In fact, it's always fun to throw things out and say, well, our guest is a co-host of the Do The Boo podcast. I, that's not how I'm going to introduce him, but <laughs> you know, Jonathan, our good friend, Jonathan, he's joining us today to talk about something very interesting. Hey, Jonathan. Hey, Bob. Hey, Noel. Good to see you guys. Hey. Now, let's, let us let me just say something, and I'm going to keep it real blunt. An app store for WordPress. Now, if you're in the space, likely if you've been in it for a while, you've heard this talked about a lot. Here and there, it pops up every once in a while. It's torn apart. It's looked at sideways, inside out. Jonathan did a post recently, and that was the title of it, an app store for WordPress. That's what we're here to talk about. And you all know Jonathan, so I'm not going to ask how he does a woo. I'm not going to ask how he got to WordPress because, hey, all you need to know about Jonathan is he's a co-host here at the, on the <laughs> podcast and he's... he's um, that's, that's who I am. He's, yeah, that's who he is right <laughs> now at this particular moment in time. But no... Really, Jonathan, I, th- I think what would be a great question, even though very generic to open with, is how long has this been brewing in your head, this <laughs> idea of an app store for WordPress? Um, let's see. Wow. Like, well, everything, all my sense of timeline is a little skewed off right now with uh, being stuck at home for as long as we have. Mm-hmm. I think about four years. Wow. And the genesis for it was the shift in my thinking to begin thinking about WordPress as an operating system. Because that's the presupposition with this concept, right? An app store, because like we don't have apps in WordPress. So uh, why pick that name? Why pick that as a concept? And it's based on this idea of thinking about WordPress like, as an operating system. That's something I, I picked that up four or five years ago, however long, because Matt started talking about it. And then I began to think, okay, well, what does this mean? Let me take this to its logical conclusions. I wrote about it, talked at WordCamp US back when we were doing that (laughs) about this idea. (laughs) And if you shift your thinking about WordPress, think about it as an operating system for creating on the web and all that that entails beyond just like publishing content, like we're creating increasingly complex things. Then you begin to think, well, operating systems have app stores. And within the context of WordPress, and you can't you can't think about that and 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 ignore WordPress's open source and decentralized nature. So the concept of an app store in WordPress is going to be different. It's still a really helpful construct. I found it's like, oh, an app store. Like we know what that is. We can use that as a way to frame the discussion. Cool. Well, before we get into it, and I'm sure not everybody that 
is listening has read the post, and I hope they go and read the post, but you'll be touching on specific parts of this. We even have some questions from some listeners. Can you give a synopsis of the post? Yeah. So when I think about this concept of an app store, I think about, okay, who are the audiences that are affected by it? Uh, who do, what, and what problems do those audiences have? And for me, there are three key audiences. There are the creators, people making things in WordPress. There are the extenders or builders, people creating things that are used by the folks like creating in WordPress, right? The tools, plugins, themes, blocks, et cetera. And then there, there are the hosting providers. In the case of WordPress as an operating system, a key part of what makes all this work is that yes, you could download it yourself and run it on your computer. But for most, for the vast majority of folks, that's not practical or a good idea. So you work with a hosting provider. So those are the three audiences. And as I looked at this, it's like, what problems do each of those audiences have? And what are the opportunities to... The 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 first post I wrote was focused on the benefits and trade-offs of decentralization. A big plus to me of WordPress is its decentralized open source nature. And there's a lot of benefits that come from that. There are also trade-offs. And the heart of this idea of an app store for WordPress is to embrace the benefits and mitigate the trade-offs. Like you can't eliminate those trade-offs entirely, right? Like there's things that proprietary platforms can do quite easily because they control everything. And there's a lot of benefits of that, but there are big trade-offs. As a decentralized platform that's open source, there's a lot of freedom that folks have. There's a sense of ownership and there are huge benefits that get associated with that. And there are trade-offs. And my thinking with this app store is like, you can't ever eliminate those trade-offs, but you can make them less painful. And you can, by mitigating some of those trade-offs, you can actually make the benefits even stronger. So the heart of this idea is to say, take each of those three primary audiences and the problems that they have and the pains that they're experiencing. And within the context of making WordPress stronger and and, and more successfully able to carry out its mission, introduce this concept of an app store to create value for each of those audiences in a way that embraces the benefits and does as much as it can to mitigate, to make a little bit less impactful the trade-offs. This is a, it's it's like a can of worm. And actually by yeah. coincidence, I think, you know, you had, this was brought to the surface. And then in the midst of your bringing it to the surface, there's a lot of people coming on different platforms, social and Slack yeah. and talking about this concept. And not to start on a negative note, but Bring it. how do you feel when somebody pulls something from the concept of the app store for WordPress and they say, it's just not going to happen because we can't get the partners together and it's got to be okayed and approved by WordPress.org, and it's never going to happen. I mean, this is something that, and I, this isn't to put you on the spot, but it's just this general, how do you feel when you read those things? What goes through your mind? <laughs> I, I find it motivating. Like I, I've, I've been in WordPress 16 years now, and I guess it's worth calling out that I'm, I'm definitely like an undying optimist. I, I, I feel fairly grounded and like recognizing that, okay, this is a really difficult thing. And in general, like, but when it's like, when there's a chance, when, even if it's really complex and there's a lot of moving parts and pieces, I mean, even, especially when like, I, I just, I find that attractive because I, there tends to be that much more value on the other side for 
the folks affected by it, right? Where it's like, if you take these three audiences, we that we know it's not, it's easy to see that they're interconnected audiences and they have unique problems. Like they're, there's, there's unique challenges for them. So the, the trick here is to find the thing that's as good as possible for as many as possible. It can't be it, like, you can't satisfy everyone, but I think there is this beautiful middle that sits in tension with each of the different audiences. And yes, it's really hard to pull off and I don't disagree. And I find comments like that motivating, like just yeah. in terms of who I am and the way that I approach things. It's like, as long as there's a chance and I believe strongly that there is, then it's like the harder it is, the better. It's more fun. One of my comments in the Slack thing and, and nobody, a couple of people said something about it, but I said, you know, Hey, I'm an optimistic fool. What can I say? <laughs> you know, I, I look at, yeah, there's potential and don't, don't mess with Jonathan. Don't say he can't do it. Okay. That's no, I didn't you, say that. You can, you can say it. it. It I just find it more motivating. Like, yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> Let's kind of focus on a couple of things around the extenders because that's yeah. what a lot of people are listening here. And I know Noelle has a question, so I'm going to let her bring up her thoughts on that. And then I want to pull something somebody said through a response to the newsletter I sent out. So, you, Noel, you want to kind of lead into that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Jonathan, in your article, you mentioned that extenders, so people making, for example, plugins and themes, um, feel the consequences of low standards. Mm. So I'm really curious about your experience with that more in depth. Like what are the standards that you've seen and what are the current consequences and then how should those standards change? And then what extra benefits would there be possibly except for, you know, eliminating the consequences or mitigating them? So when I wrote the piece, I had originally written the benefits and trade-offs of decentralization and was expecting to combine them all into a single piece. And I realized that, oh, this is getting too long. So I split them out and attempted to summarize the in, in the App Store piece some of the ideas. And when I think about this for, for the ex- extenders, which is synonymous with builders, right? WordPress says extenders, builders. In WooCommerce, we say builders, but they, they mean the same thing. The way that I think about it, and this this idea of low standards is that the upside of WordPress is also a downside here. WordPress is really flexible. There's a lot that you can do with it. And it, you, you have a lot of autonomy that comes with that, right? There's a low barrier of entry. And that low barrier of entry is where those, those low standards come in. It's like there are coding standards in WordPress. There's good documentation. There's tools that you can use, but you don't have to use them. And that's a good thing right? That keeps the barrier of entry low. Someone can jump in and write code and experiment. And that's great. Like, I don't want that to go away. The challenge, like the downside of the trade-off there is that it's easy to make something that's insecure or something that doesn't perform well. Mm. Like you'll, you, you'll see situations where an extender will create a plugin that they don't expect to be used in any number of different. They created it for the particular use case. It gets popular. And then suddenly it's being stretched at scale. And it's like, oh, well, we didn't anticipate it using it being used that way. That low barrier of entry is great. It just means that there are is that risk of because of WordPress being so flexible, you can tap into this, you can tap into that. Like you can write pretty insecure code quite quickly and that be used in production environments. The other aspect, the other ah, uh, the other part of this is the autonomy piece, right? You can 
create whatever you want in WordPress. That's great. We don't want that to go away. The trade-offs of that show up with compatibility. Like you can, mm-hmm. you could create something in WordPress. That's a good example, right? Of uh, it does whatever it does, and it doesn't have to think at all about any of the other extensions of plugins out there. And that can pretty quickly create situations where stuff just isn't working. You're trying to tap into the same thing that another one's trying to tap into, and there's not standard ways of doing it. Another good example to me of like the consequences of of quote unquote low standards is the, the current notification system in WordPress. It's very much a you know do what you want to do type thing. <laughs> yeah, and you install a bunch of plugins, and they're all doing it in different ways. They're all trying to like be heard in different ways. Yeah, and then you got this stacked thing in your dashboard um, when you when you log into WordPress because some people use it well and some people not so well, you know. And I'd say pretty much all extenders would agree that it's not ideal, but it's like you're basically if you're not loud, if you don't like get out in people's faces, you're not gonna like it's going to you're gonna be not noticed over all the others that are because mm-hmm. you don't know like, you don't know who's doing what. So it's this thing that just kind of keeps getting worse. And those who like try to behave and follow standards, <laughs> um, it feels like they're getting penalized. Yeah, like because now you don't notice their stuff anymore. Yeah, yeah, true that. That's interesting because. What you're saying, and it's this almost catch 22 because, you know, for some reason, people will say, in my mind, I can't really see how this would actually formulate or happen. But what you touch on this there is the point that there are so many things that need to be solved. And I think that's it. Yeah. And that's probably why you're doing this is, and they know that you, they talk about those things all the time. I mean, especially, you know, the extenders and stuff that the, you know, updating and the security, all that stuff. Oh, it, it needs to work yep. better. And it is it is finding that sweet spot. The The way that I think about it, so this idea of that extenders experience the consequence of low standards is two-part. Uh, the first is the personal consequences where like you basically have to be personally motivated to go out and uh, understand the coding standards and make use of the tools. There are tools, there's resources available, but you have to like choose to do that and care about it personally. Uh, and, and if you don't like, you're going to face that you're going to experience the pain eventually, probably. And then the other side is like, you might be following all the best practices, but one of the other consequences that you'll experience was, is when others don't, Mm. right? Like you, you may do best practice notifications. You'll follow all the rules. You'll think about compatibility as best you can. And then, you know, other popular plugins don't. And so you feel the consequences of that. Like you're doing your best and the others aren't. Yeah. Inconsistency. Yeah. Yeah. As far as extenders, somebody asked a question around the, uh, I thought it was kind of interesting. He, he was a little bit sarcastic in one part of it, but it was, it was kind of funny in its own way. He said, uh, you had been talking about under the labeled part reinvestment for extenders yeah. And I'm going to just read this, what he's asked. Profits should be reinvested into better tools and support for extenders and into improving WordPress itself for creators. And that's what you wrote in the post. Yeah. And he's asking, does this mean that a sale of something on the App Store means a portion of the revenue stream to the extender from an App Store sale has to be used to improve WordPress instead of the extender using the revenue stream to buy a new automobile? An idealistic thought, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, it's good. actually, I like the question. Um, 
here's here's how I'm thinking about it today. Like I, I don't know, but I've thought about this quite a bit. The the way that I'm thinking about it, and I, I called out in the post this idea of like 10 to 15% being charged to extenders. Here's how I'm thinking about it specifically. I think extenders, if you created something that was in this app store, my ideal here is that you would it would charge you a maximum of 10% is what's required. And then you could opt in to an additional 5%, which would be positioned as five for the future. Nice. So that's something that you can choose. Like you don't have to do it if you don't want to. So to their comment specifically, if you'd rather buy a new car, that's fine. Uh, and but but the idea, the idea, there's a few parts to this, is that that's a big motivating factor for me. It's like how do we get more investment into the ecosystem, into like five for the future? Like I, I love the concept of five for the future. This would be a way for an extender to say, "Yep, I want to be in this app store." I understand I'll pay the 10% that covers processing distribution. There's revenue share with the hosts, et cetera. And this additional 5% is something I can choose whether or not I opt into that is contributes to the project in a like public transparent way. Like these are the initiatives they can see where it's going. And that does a couple of things. One, it gives us an opportunity to recognize those who are doing it. So like my hope is that the majority would, but I'm okay. Like, but there's, there's this, this opportunity for positive social pressure. Because like I imagine a situation where like their profile or or maybe in context and say this 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 author contributes to five for the future like you can give them a little recognition for that mm-hmm. so that that's a little nicety in terms of the user experience but it also gives accountability to the project because they if they don't want to they can opt back out right if, if they think for instance they can spend that money more efficiently in their own five for the future initiative they they can do that or if they say no we don't care about wordpress we don't want to invest in the ecosystem we want to buy new cars instead then they can choose to do that and yeah, <laughs> well but the, i think the point for me is to design something in such a way where there's choice and it has to it's it, it has to optimize for winning um it has to optimize for winning based on merit, right? So to me, it's like if you forced everyone to pay, let's say 15% and, and you said five goes into this, well, what about a situation where a company like already does five for the future and they're doing great stuff with it, right? Like, are you taxing them for it? Mm-hmm. So anyway, that, that's my current thinking about it, is that you're, there is going to be something that's like required to cover infrastructure costs, to cover rev share. And my ideal is that the majority would opt into something where because of its nature, there's this built-in accountability. They're getting to see and you know what projects are being worked on. There's transparency around it. And if it ever gets to a point where they're like, no, we don't believe in this anymore, or we want to do something on our own, they just opt out of it. Yeah. And to put things into perspective, Jonathan, do you know the, um, the commission people pay uh, when they list their app on like the App Store or the Play Store or something like that? Yeah. Uh, generally, it's thirty percent. Yeah, so doesn't ten percent sound super re- <laughs> to me? Ten percent sounds super reasonable. Also, you know, everything. You know, every in in Dutch we have a saying: "For niets gaat de zon op." It means the sun goes up for nothing. It's like that's the only thing that's free in life. You know, everything costs. Like, surely it must come from somewhere. It's just, it's nothing more than fair. Well, and my ideal here is to create something where the value proposition is so clear. Like, first off, no one's forced to use it, right? Like, it it should be bringing 
significant new value and through like a shared compatibility database, through distribution, through like so many different things. There's so many pieces to it. And unlike like other proprietary systems, like there's no exclusivity to it. You can do whatever you want. Like you can, if you want to send customers to your own system, I want to see something that wins and is ultimately ubiquitous because it was the best, not because you were forced to use it. A couple of points there that I, I think of is I look at it as a beneficial option for the extenders because maybe they've wanted to do this, you know, give back in some way, and they haven't been able to really figure out to how to do it. You're handing them a little simpler solution. Yeah. 5%, you know, isn't an arm and a leg, obviously, but instead of thinking, okay, you know, I'm giving back to the WordPress project and I've got to put some time in this and I've got to go, com you know, uh, commit to core and, you know, I got to do all these things. It's like, oh, here's an option that, hey, you know, I can live with and it's much easier. And also, as far as the automobile, I think at 5% per sale, they're going to be waiting a long time before they get that um, first new automobile, let alone a few of them. <laughs> but that's, a, that's another point mathematically. But... <laughs> Hey, Bob WP here, and I'd like to take a moment to thank two of our pod friends for their support of Do The Woo. As a builder, you know the challenges of swimming in a sea of plugins. Whether it's for WordPress or specifically for your WooCommerce shop. And whether you are building sites for clients or simply giving them some direction, the essential guide to WordPress plugins from Nexus is your go-to resource. It will help you or your clients discover the top WordPress plugins, how to vet those plugins, and most importantly, create a plugin strategy. So why not extend your client sites with a guided hand and save time with this ebook? Just go to go.nexus.net slash do the boo to download the guide. Need to help your clients create optimized sales funnels using their WooCommerce shop? WooFunnels gives you and your clients all the tools needed to create high converting funnels using WooCommerce. And to add to that, their CRM lets you create broadcasts and automated workflows with unlimited contacts. Because in the end, it's not just building the shop, but building sales and a solid customer base. Visit buildwoofunnels.com to learn more. So thanks, WooFunnels and Nexus. And let's head back to the show. Let's touch into the hosting a little bit yep. because this is very intriguing to me, the hosting thing. And I know you're really deep into this. And, and some of the comments I'd seen out there, of course, some people were very um, negative, but essentially, I think what, they're looking at is what hosts are doing right, right now. And almost, you know, they're bringing in, they're acquiring businesses or they're creating a more inclusive platform around their hosting yeah. for their customers. Some of these hosts probably aren't going to opt into it. There's going to be certain hosts that fit the mold better. Yeah. Um, so I think hosting is key to this. For, for a lot of different reasons. And as I think about it, 
the, I mean, you, you just have, it has to be creating, it has to be solving real problems and creating real value. Because ultimately the, the vision in my mind for this, like the way that it works is for hosts to say, yes, yes, we want this, let's turn this on. And it's like now pre-installed. So the question becomes, okay, well, how do you get there? Like what problems can you solve for a hosting provider? And there tend to be just two categories of that. It's either you're helping them reduce costs or increase profit, increase margins, right? Like hosting is a pretty, tends to be a fairly thin margin business. I think there's a few pieces to kind of keep in context. So when I look at some of the big players in the space right now, leaving the acquisitions, they're they're trying to differentiate. But like on the one hand, you could look at it as they're differentiating between themselves. And, and sure, there's a factor in that. But I think the bigger thing to be keeping in mind is the differentiation against the proprietary platforms. And when you look at all the resources that are going into these proprietary platforms, like they have a lot of advantages because it's closed off, right? They don't have to deal with all this. And when I stick, take a step back and look at like the future of WordPress, I think hosting providers are key to all this. And hosting providers can really do some things better. Like if you, one of the things that I love looking at is like you take a, a proprietary platform that's that's globally focused, right? Whether it's e-commerce or just like publishing on the web and their ambitions are to be global, right? Like they want to, so they'll bring multi-language support. Like they'll try to work out these, these challenges. It's very difficult if you took a versus if you were to take like a hosting provider, that's already focused on a local market, that they understand the local market, they, they understand the language, they understand the, the local, like uh, the needs, especially within e-commerce, you have that like shipping, taxes, any of those, those integrations. I think someone, a hosting provider on WordPress can build a more compelling solution than these proprietary platforms can. The challenge right now is that there's a lot of like ha- things that you're having to kind of do on your own and figure out, right? Where... They, it's like we, what the, our ideal, if you zoom out and think about WordPress's success is that hosting providers are focused on differentiation, on like true differentiation based on the unique needs of the audience they're serving. Where today there's a fair amount of just like table stake stuff where, and, and not a lot of incentive for hosts to really work together. Cause it's like, if you zoom out and ask, it's like, yes, we all know that we're competing against the proprietary platforms, but we don't really have time to think about helping each other. Right. That's like, Mm -hmm. It, and and there's even some competition amongst. So my intent with something like this is to find the sweet spot where you're solving enough problems and creating enough value where it makes sense. Like there's alignment for hosts to work together. And a few examples of that are like a shared compatibility database, right? Like some hosts maintain their own. They'll have whitelists and blacklists of like these plugins aren't a good idea and you know, whatever. And, and they'll have a lot of knowledge internally about what does and doesn't work. But they like there's not really incentive for them to share that or to put it out there and it's always going to be imperfect because they're limited to their own sample so i think there's things that you can solve across the ecosystem that provide value security is another good example having security databases and apis that they can use that just like abstracts things out and i think short term there's more benefit to the mid market and smaller hosts than the largest ones who have more resources so I could be wrong and I'd be happy to be wrong. My guess is that the largest hosts uh, are going to be less incentivized or would care less about being involved in something like this until it reaches a critical mass where they can say, okay, yep, it's large enough now that it makes more sense for us to align with this and contribute and receive the benefit than, and, and have our resources internally focus on different things. But that's probably not where it starts. Yeah, yeah. 
I want to kind of round this out at a point and talk more about where the next steps are and kind of what you're thinking about as moving ahead of this. But going back to you said you like to take on a challenge and I'm, I'm kind of reiterating what they talked about. But somebody asked me, how do you perceive automatic playing a role with your idea, hmm. which yeah. you can, you know, address. And then also a couple of people were asking, you know, how do we, how you really plan on getting, you know, be stymied by .org's rules. Yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking maybe revisiting that piece of it is, it's like never say never. Yep. And is that challenge kind of move into that when people ask you, how do you perceive automatic playing a role with your idea? And is it more of an evolving thing as you go through this process? Yeah, great question. So so let's, let's touch on both parts, automatic and then .org, because um, it, it's different, right? Yeah. With So automatic, uh, so let me just call it my biases. I worked 18 months at automatic. I love automatic. Like it's uh, it, because of its size and influence, criticism is fair. Right. Mm -hmm. um, yet there's a lot of things that automatic does that are incredible for the project and they're, they're an important part of the ecosystem. So from my perspective, automatics involvement, like there's, there's a few ways that it is ideal one from like a, a concept and just overall, just an overall, overall concept perspective. Automatic has a lot of like the folks at automatic have a lot of thoughts and ideas about this. And, um, that's something that, you know, these are conversations that I was bringing up internally while I was there and, and I'm going to continue afterwards of like, Hey, you know, let's, what do you guys think about this? What do you think about that? So just that, that open flow of communication, uh, my ideal would be for automatic at some point to be an investor in this, to have like there, it's not like run by automatic yet. They're, they're a part of the part of what's happening. Um, and, and there are a few specific thoughts I have on like how that could work. Um, I, I would love to, like, I, I want to find a way where automatic is benefiting from it and has aligned incentive to like, to be a part in contributing to it. Cool. On All right. the .org side of things, I think that's, that's really, that's, that's an important piece. There's a few ways that I look at that. First off, it's worth calling out like the .org rules, like you, you can't have a plugin that like distributes other plugins within it. So this is something that would not be distributed through .org. This is why the hosting companies are key. Like it would be something that's pre-installed. So the relationship with .org for this, in my mind, there's two pieces to it. The first part, I, I think there's a lot of opportunity to improve the ranking algorithm in WordPress. Like when you search for plugins or when you're going through results and this app store provides a financial incentive to do that, to create a better, to create a better, better algorithm around how search works in core when you're looking for something, when you're trying to find something. And as we figure this out in the app store, like I want all of that to be just available to .org. It's like, hey, you know, we have people working on this. Like this is being figured out. Here's, here's how this works. Here's our thoughts on a better algorithm. And just like from an open source project perspective, just contribute all that. And if anything's useful, the folks who work on it at .org can, can make use of it. The other piece of this from a relationship to .org perspective is that five for the future piece where it's like having funds that can go directly to scholarships for folks who are working like on .org projects and who need funding to, to projects that are like focused on related things to this. Uh, I think those are just ways where it's like .org can continue doing its thing. And if it's not 
you know, people may disagree, but I think there's a lot of things that work really well about how .org runs where it's like, it's not, this isn't about changing that. It's about contributing to it, like providing resources to help the folks who volunteer on .org become like more effective in what they're doing. And then ultimately channeling resources in like through that 5% for the future thing to, to projects that just help make WordPress as an operating system better. And so I think the relationship with .org, it's like, yeah, it might never, they're long-term, like maybe there's opportunities for there to be some direct integrations, but it's not built. It's not based on that. It's like, Hey, let's have there be a great relationship and be using this to directly benefit .org. And that's fine if that's the extent of it. Um, So one listener would like to know, they saying that the idea sounds great on paper and they're curious about this. Um, obviously, you've been thinking about this for a while. What do you feel are your next steps? And realistically, can this be attained sooner rather than later? Mm-hmm. What do you think? So the immediate next steps as I see them, and I'm and like I, I love talking about it. I'm I'm open to any number of ways of approaching this, but this is just how I think about it today. The immediate next steps, I'm talking to hosting companies, anyone who's who's up for talking about it, and I'm looking to find a couple of hosting companies who say, Yeah, we're interested in like testing this out and being part of like piloting this concept. And the way that I'm thinking about it is I'd like to find three or four hosts at most and who are like willing to be a test for it and then develop an MVP, have a small team that works on that where we take a few of the, the things that come up the most for each of those different audiences, hypothesize like what that looks like, develop an MVP, test it. And presuming that that goes well, that's the intent is to optimize for that test going well for, for us to be solving real problems for each of the audiences within the context of those three or four hosts after that, like that would be a pretty bootstrapped affair. After that, the idea would be to like raise money to scale, to build a bigger team and to, to have the resources to scale it. So it's start small, prove out that this works in a, in a, sol- in a smaller subset. I mean, in my mind, it's like work with hosts where you can be somewhere between like a million to two million sites that like it's a pretty good sample size and, and ideally different markets like different even even different locales where you can you know get a, get a sense of like what this would look like at scale by working with a few different ones i wouldn't want to work with just one and you know prove it out develop uh, an mvp and then uh, and and do so like in a like transparent like way like hey here's what we're learning as we go about it ultimately though my like to me, this is only worth doing. Well, yeah, I'll just say it. Like I, I don't mind being wrong, but it's like my the end game in my mind is to be at a place where like around eighty percent of all WordPress sites are running it. There's always going to be folks who wouldn't, but the majority would be on it. And so it's like you have to optimize for that path. And I don't mind being wrong about this. My feeling though is that that's something that's that's worth raising money for once we've proven the concept works, so that we can speed up the timeline and put more resources into it. So that, that's how I'm thinking about it. And uh, my hope, like the way, and maybe I'm being too optimistic about it is to like spend the next couple of months working on the MVP, like defi- hypothesizing what it would look like, like getting folks, finding the folks who want to be a part of it, then spend the next couple of months after building it out and testing it and all going well, I'd want to start working on scale in 2022 where it's like, all right, now let's raise some money and you know take everything that we've learned and begin to 
to put more resources into it and do it faster. Cool. Well, I can say I'm definitely excited about this one. I mean, as somebody who creates WordPress websites, just the idea of a place where I can go and like, and I just know things are compatible, for example, like, you know, you just, you know, like things have been vetted and you can hopefully, you know, uh, in my imagination, there's like awesome filter comes up, you know, um, where, where you can say like, okay, it must be compatible with this, this and this or something like that. It would just, because you know what, I think, you know, um, People who build WordPress websites, they don't want to spend their time troubleshooting compatibility issues. They want to, yeah. they want to, you know, help. In my case, help their clients or you know, people who business owners who are building their own websites. They don't want to be like dealing with this. They need to focus on other things, on other much more important things. So, it would be beautiful if you know, if one day that could look different than what it looks like now. Ultimately, all of this in my mind is in service of empowering more creativity in WordPress, right? Like if you think about the end users and their role in this, it's like, we want to, we want to help them. We want to give them better options because right now in WordPress, like there are great like paid solutions that unless you know where to find them, you don't, you don't, you you can't just, they're not in.org and that's fine. But like, how do we give them a sustainable way of accessing those resources? And then within all the options that are available, how do you help end users make better decisions? And I I feel confident if we can help them do that, then we're going to reduce friction. We're going to continue to lower the barrier of entry. And ultimately, it's all in service of how do we empower more creativity? We want the open web to be healthy and strong. And WordPress's success as an operating system is, I think, a key indicator of how healthy the open web is. And I I think it, it needs a proper app store that's done the WordPress way that takes the benefits of decentralization and amp and, and strengthens them and mitigates those trade-offs. And I think it's a, uh, you know, it's a, it's a long, it's, I like how Matt Mullenweg thinks about WordPress in 10 years and just that, that longer arc. And this to me is something that, yeah, this is a long-term thing. And I, I'm happy with my own relationship to it to be any number of things like if someone else like if if, if it's just my ideas and, and me synthesizing like what i've heard from others and that's useful to someone else and they do something with it awesome like i, I want to i'm more interested in seeing this exist i think i can directly be a part of helping make it happen so that's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna put my time and energy into that but ultimately i want to see it happen in a way that's as help as good for the ecosystem as possible and um yeah, I'm, I'm all in on WordPress, so I'm excited to see what happens next. The key point I'm taking from this is that on the premium side of things, you know, hosting um, extensions, all that stuff, is looking at that 80%, and I know that is something you have set in your head, but it's not like going to be the optimal or, you know, nothing's proven quite yet. Yeah, yeah is consistency. Yeah. I mean, if you think of 80% of the users have this consistency of when they're using premium plugins and hosting the centralized, I don't know, it's it's a comfort zone. It's almost like, wow, everybody's kind of here doing this now instead of us all going off in different directions. And it just seems long-term, it just... There's confidence. There's a confidence that comes yeah, from it. Yeah, it is. And, and of course, WordPress would benefit from that. And 
I think it's worth saying too that I think this is especially important within the WooCommerce ecosystem and within e-commerce generally because for people who are building businesses, they're dealing with with revenue, income, like there, there's a lot more at stake and that confidence is even more important, right? You want to know that your stuff works together. You want to know that the plugins work with each other. You want to know that like you want to have that confidence in the decisions that you're making. And I think like these are all, this is uh, an important piece of that. Like how do you give confidence to the store owners, the merchants who are building and for builders who are creating for them, it's like, you know, this, this matters. Like the stuff that you're making is going to like, is, 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 is an important part of these small businesses and larger businesses that are going into e-commerce. And you want to know that, yeah, it's compatible, that, that you're following best practices, that you're making things as smooth for the customers that you're serving as possible. And I think all of this can help with that. Yeah. Well, Wow. I, I'm excited. I've, I've, I've known about this idea a little bit uh, before, and I know my confidence in Jonathan. Something's going to get the ball rolling in one way or another. And, you know, I hope I hope you stay involved with it. I know you're open to however it leads. You bring a lot to the table on this, and I think that you have the attitude and the challenge. You're willing to take on the challenge. Yes. And yeah, I'm excited about it. People want to talk to you about this. You know, there, there might be some people out there that have some ideas or, you know, want to reach out or this is generating some thoughts and questions or whatever. What do you think is the best way for them to um, reach out to you? However you'd like. Um, if you go to JonathanWool.com and contact, I got all my information there. Twitter is great. You can email me. You can send me a text message, like uh, any, any number of things. I've had a few folks reach out since I, I wrote it and it's been, yeah, it's been fantastic. I, I'm in a phase, right. I'm in a stage right now where I am thinking specifically about the next steps and I, I'm still like, and I want to always be like open to like, what am I missing? What are the pieces of this puzzle that I haven't considered? Right. Like one of my strengths is to take a bunch of input and, and synthesize it to like, here's what these things have in common. And I'm looking for things that I haven't considered. Like what are, what are the pieces that I'm so, yeah, if you have ideas, if you're hearing this and like, that's great. And what about this? I'd love to hear that. And, or if you're interested in, in being a part, or maybe you're already working on some aspect of this, uh, I'd love to, I, I want to see it happen. And that's what I'm optimizing for. And whatever role that I can play in helping it happen, that's the role that I'm happy to play. I love that. Excellent. All righty. Well, this has been fantastic. Uh, always great to have a co-host on with a co-host and another co-host, three co-hosts. One is a guest. <laughs> That's confusing. <laughs> Do remember to check out our pod friends, Nexus and Woo Funnels. I really appreciate their support. You can check them out at nexus.net and woofunnels.com. Jonathan, it was great having you on. I'm excited about this and appreciate you sharing the initial thoughts on this. And I'm sure we'll be hearing a lot more about this because it's important, I think, to keep on top of this. And that's why I want to bring it to do the woo. As you pointed out, it wasn't we didn't talk a lot about WooCommerce specifically, but hey, we talked about WordPress. Yeah. And this all plays right into it. So excellent stuff. And thank you for um, taking an extra slot on the podcast and joining us as a guest. Thanks for having me.